0: Working with couples, I frequently hear the complaint that he just shuts me out. It's like he doesn't even hear me. Usually this is happening during conflict, so the spouse being shut out often takes it personally and even assumes that it's deliberate. But what if it was not?
1: The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever.
0: Welcome to the marriage podcast for smart people. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have an aha episode for you this week. Mm -hmm. This is episode number 236, and today we're going to be talking about what happens to your spouse so that he or she may not even be able to hear you or sometimes not remember what you said during conflict.
2: Hmm. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode... We had our final episode on intimacy, how empathy deepens it. It's worth going back and checking out. Worth going back and checking out all four of those, actually, in our little mini-series. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us.
0: And as always, if you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound, research-based advice. And most of all, we offer hope. Let's get into this, Philanda. What happens during conflict in our bodies that gets in the way of getting things sorted out? Okay. So rather than sort of, I know I put the the title of it as why he can't hear you during conflict, but we're just going to talk directly to folks here about what's going on and you can translate whether this is for yourself or maybe you're trying to understand what's going on inside your spouse. That's fine too. Okay. But we need to start with what's happening on the inside too. So when your spouse appears to be shut down or at least shutting you out, something's going on there. And so we want to understand this. We've got to begin with a quick primer here on our our nervous system. Okay. Okay. So the central nervous system, uh, we'll probably refer to it as the CNS, just to save some longer words. But the central nervous system in your body is a collection of nerves and cells that delivers messages to and from the brain and spinal cord to different parts of your body, all the parts of your body, basically. And your central nervous system is always on. It's always operational. It's always controlling or running the huge variety of functions that are going on in your body. And it's doing the great majority of that work subconsciously. So you're not You don't have to think about breathing. Breathing just happens.
2: Right. Right. Okay.
0: And ideally, this then frees you up to focus on more important tasks, like focusing on your work or tasks around the house or navigating your way through the local shopping mall or deciding what to have for dessert, all that kind of stuff. Basically, the central nervous system is taking care of the unconscious tasks so you can focus on the conscious challenges.
2: Depending how much you shop, that might become unconscious too.
0: Yes. Okay. when stress happens, right, Uh huh. which for example, a marriage conflict could be stressful, mm-hmm. like for other people, <laughs> <laughs> your central nervous system is going to be involved in responding to that as well, both consciously and subconsciously. And when I mean consciously, I mean, it's not just like that it's keeping your breathing and stuff like that, but also like, it's like your brain is part of your central nervous system. Like it's
2: taking over what you think. Is that what you
0: mean? No, I mean that you're going to be trying to think through how to solve this. But also, if it gets too alarmed, as we'll see, it's, it is going to impede your thinking. So let's just okay. play this through with you. Okay. So how you respond to to something that is perceived as danger or as a threat or as an emergency, that range of responses can go from something that's quite moderate and modest mm-hmm. to something that's very extreme. So an extreme reaction is normally reserved for situations where you really feel like you're in extreme danger. Okay. Of course. So, in those moments, your CNS may shut down a lot of your body functions to the point where you may even collapse by going limp or fainting or somehow dissociating, even out of your body. And like these are profoundly severe experiences. Okay. Yeah. But normally, marriage conflict and arguments with your spouse doesn't prompt that extreme of a response.
2: Okay. Yes.
0: But what you do need to know is that it's still going to start acting to protect you, even in the context of. Of marriage conflict.
2: Because it's like potential danger.
0: Yeah. It's not that like you're dangerous to me, but if you're unhappy with me, then my safety in this marriage seems to be at risk. And if my safety is at risk, then the alarm system starts to kick in and take over to return me to safety. Okay. Yeah. And again, it doesn't mean that I'm feeling necessarily physically threatened by you, but it's more like what I thought was safe is at risk and I need it needs to be protected or preserved. So the, the central nervous system starts to take over on that. Okay. And so so when that part of you is activated, it's going to start overriding other priorities that you may have in the moment. So here's a quote from a researcher describing this. Our primal desire to stay alive is more important to our body than even our ability to think about staying alive or to think about much else for that matter. Okay. So the translation here is that when you're in serious conflict with the most important person in your life, your body may decide that this is a significant emergency, and so it will downgrade your ability to think, and it'll bring online the usual survivor tools, survival survival. tools, increased heart rate, it's going to increase your respiration, like how fast you're breathing, it's going to increase the adrenaline that's in your body, probably the cortisol levels, all that stuff that's related to fight or flight, none of which is that useful for solving what's happening between us. Uh
2: Uh-huh.
0: Okay? So here's what's really going on when you fight. Your central nervous system is most concerned with self-preservation. And in marital conflict, what you actually need to be concerned with is marital preservation, more than self-preservation.
2: Okay, unless you're in danger.
0: Uh, Yeah, I'm assuming this is not, uh, so abuse is off to the side here, okay? Okay. I'm talking about two people that don't beat each other up but are just having an argument. Okay. How do they fix their marriage, right? But because your nervous system is activated to try to survive, you're not running on the same neural pathways in conflict as you are in calm moments. So your ability to be open, to be engaged, to exchange information, to exchange affection, that's all going to change because those aren't essentials for survival.
2: Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're in conflict, it's not like you really want to exchange affection.
0: No, but, but couples that are able to stay calm, even in disagreements, will throw affection bits at each other or they'll affirm the security of their marriage. Ah, Two, right? Okay. which which helps them stay in this place. okay? In that calm state, people are more emotionally open. They're more facially expressive. They're better at listening to and understanding each other. And all of those are really key parts to connecting and to problem solving. But when your nervous system is activated in an emergency context, almost every organ in your body is impacted. You may become hyper aware of your environment. Your body will release hormones that we talked about, like adrenaline. Your heart beats faster. You may start to sweat. Your fight or flight is activated, which can come across as being like very defensive. That's the fight mode. they're going to push back hard on you here. Or the flight mode would look like trying to walk away or just uh, shut the other person out.
2: Okay. I think that makes sense.
0: And what do you actually need during conflict? You need to hear your spouse clearly. You need (laughs) to stay present. You need to have access to your cognitive functions. You need access to your memory.
2: So basically what your body's doing for you is the exact opposite of what you need it to do in these situations.
0: Quite often, yeah. Yeah. Huh, okay and this is what kind of prompted it is this whole you know we heard this little tidbit or oh, that's why your spouse can't even hear you when you're arguing so your hearing is going to be diminished as well when the central nervous system is activated to respond to danger, what you hear changes it okay. filters out the ranges in which human voices fall it looks for unnatural or unusual sounds that will help you survive that threat hmm. so think of like a twig snapping in the forest right uh, you don't want to get eaten or the sound of a shoe scraping on cement if it's a you know physically threatening scenario. So in a survival situation, you have to filter out all the unnecessary elements and just focus on what's going to help you survive. So part of that is bumping off the human range of voices because nobody's having a conversation when they're trying to survive. Mm
2: -hmm. Right? Okay.
0: And that's that's useful in that context.
2: Right. In a context of danger.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why even in, in those moments though, when When your spouse is being threatened because of the conflict though, this other stuff is activated. So that might even be literally be impossible for them to hear you properly.
2: Mm, It's not like they're choosing to not hear you. Precisely. Okay.
0: And as we alluded to earlier, even our ability to reason well is compromised during those moments. So um, if you've ever found yourself in an argument with your spouse and they've jumped to some kind of an extreme or maybe even like kind of a ridiculous conclusion, or they said something that's out of character, this may be why. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's just going to core brain functions. Or if you found yourself, what were you going to say?
2: Like pointing that out probably won't help in the situation. No. Yeah.
0: No. But okay. if you find yourself in a situation like that and you've noticed, okay, where did that irrational fear come from? It seems really silly to look back on afterwards, but in the moment, it kind of, it just, it was true for that moment, right? Okay. That's because of this survival mechanism in our bodies being kicked in and our... In our central nervous system, and it also affects our ability to create narrative memory. So this is why you or your spouse might only remember fragments of an argument later on. that he said, mm. she said review. Mm-hmm. Always a good time. We- <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you have yeah. something to say in particular here, for No, 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 no. Or you might come out of an entire exchange with your spouse, and you only really remember bits and pieces of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, because you know that storing memory is a luxury. That's not entirely necessary when you're just trying to live, survive through something.
2: Right. Okay. Makes sense. Stay alive. Yeah.
0: So there's a lot going on. Once you start to see all that is going on during conflict, I think it becomes pretty obvious that the solution is to learn how to either stay calm or else calm ourselves down if we've already gotten Mm -hmm. activated during conflict. So our bonus guide this week will help with that. It teaches you about mindfulness, which is... Mindfulness is the ability to calm yourself, to really notice what's happening inside you so you can return to that calm state and then calmly engage with your spouse. It's all about calm. In Mm -hmm. case you didn't notice. Yes, rather. You can get this by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. We'll just take a quick 60 second break here to tell you more about that.
1: What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day to day life become overwhelming leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast, but the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at oyf.support. That's oyf.support.
0: You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about how our hearing and reasoning and memory are even impacted during conflict. And I just like to point this out, too, that remember that the reason that our survival mechanisms kick in is because our spouse is super important to us. So, so if I think my marriage is in danger, my bond with you is threatened because I've upset you, it's not unreasonable to expect my central nervous system to freak out when that bond seems to be at risk, even though that's not really what I need for my central nervous system at that moment. Okay. Am I making sense on that?
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So then obviously the question becomes, well, how do we manage this so we can engage mm-hmm. stay calm solve problems be calm all that good stuff so the best way to adapt to stressful circumstances is to practice emotional regulation
2: that sounds nerdy what
1: is that
0: uh-huh. well regulating your emotions basically involves doing things that make you less vulnerable to unwanted feelings and make you better able to tolerate them when they do come up and the point of this is to reverse the the effects that you experience when your central nervous system is aroused so you can return to a sense of calm okay. so basically kind of well, like
2: The mindfulness that you were talking about? Yeah, it is. Thingy? Okay.
0: It is. Because if if you kind of go to terror or a great deal of fear, those emotions, if they're unregulated, will fully activate that part of your central nervous system that's going to put you into fight or flight mode. Okay. So if I can calm the fear and learn to just like compassionately hold on to myself in those moments, yeah, then I don't have to get all, all those alarm bells going off. So then I can stay calm and more present and we can actually solve this problem. Yep. Okay. Okay.
2: So, how do we do this?
0: Uh, two parts. One, calm your body. Two, calm your mind. Okay. That's how we're breaking this down. Okay. So, for calming your body, we're going to talk about three things breathing, visualizing, and getting, and maybe even movement. Okay. So, studies have shown that breathing and meditation can lower stress and anxiety amongst people that are suffering from PTSD, post traumatic stress disorder. And so, while you're probably not experiencing about a PTSD symptoms every time you argue with your husband or wife, if you can just breathe slowly and deeply, that's the first thing you can do, the first thing you should do. To calm your nervous system. Okay. So you can actually, uh, excuse me, while your while your nervous system, when it gets in this emergency mode, takes over your breathing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Breathing is something that you can change consciously.
2: Oh, you can actually control that part of your so I can nervous system. yeah
0: I can say okay I'm taking over my breathing from here and I can breathe in and out rhythmically, and I can slow that down, and that pushes back on the central nervous system to calm it down. Right. You can't take over your heartbeat, for example.
2: Right, or, or your digestion. Or, or your, res- your sweating. Right. Yeah. But you can control the breathing, and yes. that in turn tells your central nervous yes. system that it can calm down.
0: Yes. The system works both ways. Like it'll do it for you, or you can do it for it, so to speak, back it, through it, it the breathing. It listens to Yeah that. Okay. Yeah. So breathing. So breathing is a very big one. And then visualizing or is helpful visualization, picturing yourself in whatever environment or situation might make you feel at peace. So if you know that you get activated easily, it might be good to have this sort of mental safe place that you visualize that you know about. It doesn't have to be based in reality, but it can be. It can be a favorite childhood memory or some beautiful serene destination that you have imagined or else you have visited. Mm -hmm. Whatever shifts your focus and just helps your body follow suit when you really picture yourself in that calm place. Visualizing works really well for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You just have to be careful as you do this that you aren't checking out on your spouse while you're going to your happy Mm -hmm. place. And it looks like... See it looks like just shutting down. I'm going to happy land. Um, you may need to just say to them, you know what? My body's getting activated and I want to solve this with you. So can I just take a moment to relax because I really want to figure this out here. Okay. So it's sending the signal that I'm going to stay and be engaged, but just give me a moment because I need to return my body to a calm state so I can do that.
2: Okay. And if both, I think you need to, well, listen to this podcast with your spouse. Like if both of you know yeah. what's going on and how you get activated and how yeah. you calm down, then that's fine. But if you randomly just like... right. Oh, my body's getting activated. Like, what on earth does that mean?
0: Have an argument. Yeah. Yeah. No. If you guys know this is happening when you fight, both of you can listen to this and just come up with some ideas how you can prepare yourself for the next conflict. Yeah. 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 And then another thing you can do is to move, physically move, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially if you're prone to freezing more as a response, being connected with your body and touch with that. So, most of us at some point in our lives have probably heard someone say that they're taking a walk to clear their head. Mm hmm. And it turns out this actually has some good science behind it because simple, slow, mindful movements can help you reestablish a normal connection between your body and your mind. Okay.
2: So that's kind of like the breathing again, like you can actually make your body move.
0: You can start to bring your nervous system back into alignment with where you need it to be instead of having it hijacked.
2: Take off. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. So that's how you calm your body. How do you calm your mind?
0: Uh, So there's a number of psychological techniques that you can use to diffuse a high stress situation with your spouse. I think the thing to note here is that the way you perceive the nature of the stressor helps determine how to react to it. That sounds kind of complicated, but...
2: It does, yeah.
0: What I'm basically saying is if you have a stressful situation like conflict with your spouse, yeah, you can either choose to see that as a challenge or a threat. Okay. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah.
2: So something to work through or something that's a danger to you.
0: Yeah. The same thing, right? Yeah. And when it's seen as a challenge... You can actually, you will have more of your mental resources available to you to cope with it or to rise to the challenge. It's not nearly as activating as seeing the same situation as a threat. Okay. So, so if you're marriage, upset, I can be like, I can kind of go to oh no, pucker, which is, it's a threat. Pucker? Like a pucker moment. Like, what does that mean? When your lips are puckered, because, oh. Oh, oh,
2: gotcha. So okay. it's a
0: threat, and I'm terrified or very afraid or whatever. Uh huh. Or I can see. Or in my head, I can go, wow, she's really on fire. Let's figure out what's going on here. Okay. And it's not it's not dismissing or ignoring. I'm leaning in, but I'm leaning in with a different approach.
2: Okay. So then your body won't react right. in the same yeah. reactively. Okay. Yep.
0: Yeah. So when, when you mentally interpret it as a challenge, it sends signals to your body to approach the problem or to lean into the problem instead of try to avoid and escape from the problem. And huh. immediately then you're going to feel more open to engaging with whatever the issue is instead of just shutting down or withdrawing. So as soon as you see it or sense that an argument spring, like pay attention to how you're framing the issue. Make sure your spouse knows that it's something that you want to resolve. It's a problem that does have a solution. And so this way, like, it's just a matter of, okay, let's try and figure this out together, mm-hmm. right? So instead of, and, and that's much more helpful place to come from than going to hopelessness, because when you go to hopelessness, that really frames your exchange as a threat of some sort instead of a challenge.
2: Right. There's no hope.
0: Yeah.
2: We're going to leave or... yeah. Okay.
0: And it's also good as as part of calming your mind to engage with positive feedback during these moments. So that is like if your spouse has done something to offend you, try not to forget every good thing that they have done beside that. <laughs> we really want to villainize uh-huh. our, our spouse sometimes to make them see how terrible they are. But if we can kind of keep it in the larger context of some good things, even good things that are happening in the moment, like, okay, I appreciate you staying calm right now. Mm-hmm. And not not in a patronizing way, right? But thanking them for trying to listen, thanking them for trying to understand. And, you know, I can see you're trying to understand. I'm going to, let me try to explain this better. That kind of stuff where it's just noting the positive. It's sending those little security signals is really what that's doing.
2: Okay. But I think there's got to be, there's got to be, oh, what do you call it, Caleb? Like feedback though. Like if I'm trying to say something to you, Mm-hmm. And I'm not getting a response. Like I get out the heavier artillery, right? To yep get through,
0: right? Which is provoked by defensiveness.
2: So that's that would be like me going into fight or flight. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yep, because you're afraid that the connection isn't secure. So that's fight more likely. Ah,
2: okay. And then as you get bombasted, yeah, you're gonna withdraw. Yep. Which is more flight? So that's so
0: all. So either of us can do the positive thing, like right. Uh, like I'm not sure I understand you yet, but I'm glad you're talking about this because I can see it's really important to you. So mm-hmm. that's something a drawer could say.
2: Okay, keep going.
0: And I was just making space for you in case wanted <laughs> to add something. <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, and whereas, like on the pursuer side, it could be something like, I can see you're working hard to stay with me, and I and I appreciate that.
2: Hmm. What? But what if they're not? I mean, I'm not talking about well. Look you for here. some good. Like okay.
0: Look for some good that's happening, or acknowledge like the larger good. You know what? Like you're an awesome husband 98 percent of the time. <laughs> but right now, uh,
2: all I can see is the two percent. Um, but see, that totally defeats the purpose of the seeing the good in it.
0: Yeah, maybe that's why I'm the <laughs> therapist.
2: <laughs> okay, so we need to give. So it's just affirming
0: feedback. those the positive bits that are still there, right? So that. It's not like, because it's really in a conflict situation when it's like, for some people it's easy to collapse and go, oh my goodness, like this is never going to work, right? Uh, And so that's why you want to be giving your spouse the positive alongside of raising your concern is because it's saying that, you know what, you don't have to freak out here, but we do need to solve this problem.
2: Okay. This is just a minor problem in the big picture.
0: Or even a major problem, but it's not all of the picture. Mm, Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. And that will help calm your, keep yourself calm. Okay.
0: So positive feedback helps with calming and calming your mind, calming your body. That helps you stay engaged, helps you solve the problem without your body becoming so activated that it just takes over and goes into survival mode where it's really hard to get through stuff. Right. Okay. So as I said, like I know we titled this, why he can't hear you during conflict, but we really wanted to speak to both spouses here because this whole thing is kind of a definite reframe. The fact that your spouse cannot hear you shows how important you are to him or her.
2: Okay, yep.
0: Like, he is so desperately afraid of losing you that when you're fighting, all his alarm bells are going off. That's how much you matter. Mm. But unfortunately, in that moment, his central nervous system has hijacked the functioning of his body and most of his brain. So it also means he can't really hear you and his memory's compromised and even his reasoning.
2: Right. But if you can see it as you know he's afraid of losing me because i'm so important to him and that's why he's shutting down then that's
0: then it's like okay let's calm things down because
2: but then that's a challenge rather than a threat yeah whereas if you see yes. it as just like he shut down yeah okay you know he was going to leave or he's not committed or like you can go right
0: how do we all you know, cal-
2: swing so far that way yes
0: instead it's like how do we all calm down so we can figure this out yeah And get that body back into a calmer state where those alarm bells aren't overwhelming all the other signals and then re-engage on the issue, work through it as a team. Mm -hmm. So he's not, he's probably not deliberately shutting you out. Huh. Yes. That's cool. All good?
2: Yeah. We want to say thank you to Michelle and Sarah for coming on board, becoming patrons between this recording and our previous one. Thank you. Thank you for your support, each and every one of you. Next week, Caleb.
0: We're talking about how to forgive your spouse after betrayal.
2: Oh, wow. That would be yeah. interesting.
0: Not like you cheated on me yesterday and today I'm going to forgive you and move on. But, you know, this takes a little bit of time and process. But yeah, people, you know, do come to that spot where they're like, okay, what are the steps to forgiveness? I know I need to do this. Okay. yep,
2: Good. That is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oif.link 236.
1: Find out how you can help. Go to oif.support. Thanks. And we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Belinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.